Welcome to the Front Porch Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ronnie. Fellas, tell them what's up today. What's up? This is Nick. How y'all doing today? What's up? This is your boy, Warren. How y'all doing? Y'all know how we do, as always. We have this conversation offline, and we decide that we're going to hit that record button and bring it on. So, fellas, uh, I think, Warren, you had an um, interesting conversation. We were having an interesting conversation. Uh, you kind of want to set us up and tell us where yeah. we're going down? Yeah, we, we, we was talking about various things, even uh, some of the uh, issues that we face. And so we say that uh, we're going to have to work on ourselves, but we talked about um, uh, Isaac Newton's law of emotion, right? And that an object will remain in motion until an equal uh, object, equal, equal uh, object or a greater object uh, come in contact with it and will, will, will change uh, is, uh, you know, uh, trajectory. So we was talking about that and we were saying that, uh, we were trying to tie that into uh, some of the issues that we face as African-Americans in, in the United States. Um, some of the things that we face, how we're going to have to be able to meet them. We're going to have to meet them with an equal or greater force. Uh, that's the only way we're going to counter some of the stuff that we are uh, experiencing. Uh, when we, after we laughed about it a little bit, and I'll be honest, the thing that, that happened in uh, Montgomery, and we're saying how that had to be met with equal force. Uh, and that's just the way we're going to have to attack things, period, as African-Americans. So, Warren, one of the things that uh, I have, um, I guess, I've equated to, to to my journey in life is I, I, I kind of put things in four perspectives. In other words, um, and these are in no particular order uh, or any succinct order, um, but there's relationships, there's my health, there's my finances, and then there's my spiritual inner journey. Um, yeah. When we look at either one of those, I mean, you can branch out and go to multiple things. I mean, you know, when you start talking about money, then, okay, what kind of job do I have? Or what, am I an entrepreneur or or what, whatever? When I look at my health, do I have not only physical health, but I, do I have good mental health? And so when you start talking about this, this physics and things in motion and, 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 and and think that are inevitable to happen. How then do we look to, if we were to pick any one of those or even all four of those, how then do we address those? Well, uh, the thing is, is first of all, to realizing what's causing this motion, if you will, uh, the way our life is going, because I mean, we say where it's going, so that means action, right? The way things are going, well, a lot of times when you look at it, if things are going in a negative direction, you're going to have to meet it with a positive uh, answer of greater, equal or greater uh, force. And they say that the tendency to resist change in the state, um, uh, in a state of motion is uh, 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 inertia, right? That's inertia. That's the, the resistance. So you're going to have some of that inertia. But around this is what I think, man. And I'm, and I'm talking to myself uh, while I'm saying this. Uh, a lot of times it's that resistance to change is where we tend to give up. When we meet that resistance, whether it's in our mental faculties, whether it's in our finances, to meet, when you, when you decide to, to meet that thing with a positive force, the greater than the negative force, 
uh, that inertia is uh, that's a lot. That's a place where a lot of us give up because it takes time. You think about a boulder rolling down a hill. I don't think about this. If a boulder is rolling down a hill, and I want to reverse that boulder, right? What I'm going to have to do, first of all, I'm, I'm going to have to slow it up. You think about it, nothing is going to stop on a dime. If it do a lot of times, it's going to destroy, it's going to destroy you. So you're going to have to slow it up first, stop it, and then reverse it, right? A lot of times we want to want it to reverse on a dime, and a lot of times it don't happen like that. And it's in that slowing up to reverse it is where a lot of us give up because we don't use patience. Warren, there's two things that you said that that is popped in my head real quickly when you talked about the boulder rolling down and stopping it with stopping it and then reversing it, you know, now starting to think about the processes of how that works. In other words, um, uh, I would probably, this is me, this is how I probably would reverse it, if you will, is try to figure out how to build another hill that matches the hill that it came from so that when it goes up, that and build the hill a little higher so that when it goes up to that particular peak, because it already has that speed that it has enough, it, when it comes to a complete stop, that it then now has the trajectory to go back the other direction. The other thing that popped in my head is um, most of us are either fans of baseball or played baseball, whether it was sandlot baseball or organized baseball. And when the pitcher throws the baseball, the pitcher throws the baseball at a particular speed. The only thing, the, the object of the game, if you will, is to then have the batter swing the bat to hit the ball at the speed that the ball is coming. But notice the ball is coming at a faster speed than the bat is being swung. But if the ball and the bat meet at a particular point, then the the batter has a particular chance of projecting the ball at a further distance than the pitcher through the ball. And if the batter misses the ball, the catcher has a way of absorbing what was thrown at him. So are we in a space where we don't know how to hit the ball that are being thrown at us and we're being struck out or we don't know, we don't have the capacity to build fast enough so that when these boulders are being rolled at us, that they just boulder us over. I'm just throwing thoughts out, fellas. That's just how my mind working this morning. <laughs> uh, okay. I guess y'all, okay, I guess I'll jump yeah. in now, but y'all. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, since nigga the baseball player. Y'all done said, ooh, okay. <laughs> boy, y'all had my mind, I don't I don't went through a thousand thoughts in that conversation. So I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to go back to Warren. I'm going to try to make my way to Ronnie. We're talking about a negative and a positive, using a positive to stop the negative. Right. Right. First question I ask is, this negative ball, we must first identify how did this ball get in this, get to go in this direction? Who pushed this ball? Who created this ball? How did this ball start coming at me like this? Right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, even if you stop this ball, if you don't stop what pushed it and threw it towards you, sooner or later another one comes. Right? Then secondly, I think a lot of times, y'all can answer this question because this is how I think. We, we sometimes we don't discuss 
we know we got to meet this negative force with a positive force. But sometimes I think we don't discuss or recognize that when that when them two forces meet, ain't nothing nice gonna happen. You're talking about impact. <clears throat> two things colliding at a high speed, going to equal high speed with the equal amount of force, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, I think sometimes that scares, I ain't gonna say scared. I think a lot of times we try to find a way around it. It scares because, people, you're right. Because you know when it do, when we trying to, in other words, we trying to tell the people that's pushing that ball, hey man, we trying to let this thing, just get your ball, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We like, get your ball, because sooner or later, we're going to meet this thing with the same amount of force. It's not going to be good for nobody. Right? So I think we, we operate around that. And to move forward, with, like Ronnie says, and it'll go back to who pushed the ball, who created the ball, and why is it coming this way? So even if it's, if we meet it with the negative force, there's going to be destruction. And even if it comes down and roll over us, isn't that going to be destruction? That's pain. Yeah. To continue to let that ball roll over you, Go down and come back and roll over. That's destruction. That's pain. So we're going to feel pain either way. So the obvious thing to do is to meet it with the positive force. Create your. If you're going to feel pain, you want to feel pain on your own terms. That's how I think. And and to the baseball analogy, when you're a batter, the first thing you must know, if you're going to be a good hitter, you must know the pitcher. You must know his, 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 his little things, his, his, he might give you a little something let you know he's going to throw you a curveball. He might give you something let you know he's going to throw a fastball. And as a batter, you got to know the situation. When you get in the batter box, you have to know the situation. If there's a man on third, is there a man on second? Is it two outs? Is it one out? The batter has to know the situation before he even gets his first pitch. You have to know what, what are you – what are your plans when you get in this bat? A lot of people that don't play baseball, they just see a man get in the bat, batter box swinging a bat. But baseball is, they call it a thinking man's sport. It's a thinking man's sport because, like you say, Ronnie, somebody's going to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at you. That's the first problem, right? The second problem is I got to meet this 90-mile-an-hour fastball with a 90 mile an hour swing or greater to create any type from of a standstill situation. perspective. From a stand, I'm standing still. The pitcher is moving. He's in motion already. From the time he comes up, he's already in motion. He has the momentum. So now I got to meet that force. And in as I'm meeting that ball, that 90 mile an hour ball, I got to figure out what I want to do with it. All this happens within seconds milliseconds sometimes right Mm -hmm. so it all goes back to the source i can make a better decision if i know this pitcher how he pitches you know what i'm saying what are his favorite so when we play baseball you always say the people i'm batting that's why if you you always see the person that bat first that's usually your best hitter without knowing he don't need to know nothing about the pitcher He's just he's just good at what he do. He he's good enough to let everybody else get a look at the pitch. So now everybody come behind him get to figure out. Okay, he does this, he does that. 
right? So that's almost like a sacrifice, correct? Sacrifice. <laughs> you got to send somebody else out there. You got to send out your scout. So we got to know the picture. We got to figure out and study the picture. Back to what we, some of like we was talking about earlier off air, but I'm going to sum that up in this way. You got to know who pushed the ball, how did, how did this ball start come this way at us, and who, who did it, and you got to know the picture. All this is about gathering information, then react. So, for some reason, I'm feeling this baseball analogy. <clears throat> and I know Warren may be a little out of pocket on this one because yeah, I don't know football. if you played you got, baseball. He played you, gotta, football. you played football, you gotta, Warren? You got to use the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cowboys. No, 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 Cowboys. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep it with the sports. So, so, but I'm going to stick with this baseball thing for just a few more seconds. So, so you got a fastball, you got a curveball, you got what they call a knuckleball and a screwball. Now I'm gonna just go with the, huh? okay. okay. I'm just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm go just gonna deal with the curveball because the curveball is is something that we need to talk about. Um, and it, when I say this, Warren, what I'm talking about to to our our, our listeners is it's the way the pitcher grabs the ball. It would be the same thing in a in a, in a football. The way they grab the ball allows them to throw the ball a certain distance or a certain way. But when a pitcher throws this ball, what I want to get at and point out is it looks like it has the potential to hit you. Right. But if you get scared of what it looks like, you'll miss when what we call when the ball breaks and comes back into strike zone. Mm -hmm. And and when I was a kid and I played baseball, you know, again, first time, you know, playing and you get you got these 12, 13, 14 year old kids and they learn how to throw a, a curveball and you get your first curveball and it's coming at 50, 60 miles an hour from a 13 year old. You you get freaked out till you learn, like Nick says, how to handle it. So when do we get to the place or have we developed people to be able to stand in the batter's box? to hit the curveball? Have we, do we have the proper place to get our education? Do we have the proper place to get um, uh, our relationships healed? Do we have proper place to get our finances in order? Do we have these things in order or are we being ran out of the batter's box by the curveball? Let me, okay, let's give these, let's let's time to real life experiences, right? Let's well, that's say, what I want you to do. <laughs> let's, let's say that the ball is problems the people that life throws at you. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the picture as life. Okay. Uh, right. And uh, let's look at the ball as the problem to be thrown at you. Right. The, the issue is, is in learning how to attack that, that problem that's being thrown at you. Right. Just like you say, it's thrown at, uh, 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 you know, a certain velocity is coming at you. Um, I think the thing is, Nick, is, you know, and you know this better than I do, is learning. First of all, you you get familiar because it's going to take you a minute to get familiar with that picture. And you're going to pretty much, sometimes it's matching wit with wit. You're going to pretty much tell, oh, he's getting ready to throw me that curve. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you know you're going to throw, throw you the curve, you're going to be prepared for it. Not saying you're going to hit it every time, but you're going to be prepared for it. I think it's learning life. And this is why I say things don't happen overnight. Because we're going to have to, first of all, learn what's being thrown at us. Who's throwing it at us, right? Life is throwing us at me. Okay, I didn't do anything wrong per se. It's just happened. It's just something that happens, right? And learning how to deal with it. Because the thing is, the worst thing we can do is do nothing. Right, if you stand there in that battle box uh, uh, long enough, uh, and you don't swing, you just don't do nothing, and he keeps throwing strikes, you, you're gonna be out. <laughs> right? yeah. You yeah. you might as well sit down somewhere. So so we're gonna have to get in the game because we a lot, a lot of times we say life is a game, right? We're gonna have to get in the game, but we got to learn the rules, and we got to learn, uh, you know, what's being thrown at us. Pretty much uh, be able to uh, decipher. When is in the, when is going to be thrown at us? When it throw when it be throw uh, thrown at us, what we're going to do? What kind of swing we're going to use? Because Nick, uh, am I right? Your swing would determine on what that pitcher is throwing at you. Yeah, your type of swing. Like some some batters are what you call inside hitters. You throw something inside, it's going out. It's going over the fence, right? That's a power hitter. Right? right. Some guys some guys can hit any pitch. So therefore, you have to just you have to just create a strategy with them. Throw them right. something. They call it throw them something where they just hit it on the ground. Right. They call it okay. Chase the ball. Yeah. If if you got a guy that he can just they, he's a good hitter. Now you want your players behind the pitcher say look hey, everybody get you know everybody now you got to count on the other eight behind you, other seven behind you. Okay. Right. I'm finna throw this pitch. I'm gonna get him to hit it on the ground. Make out. Right. Because okay. obviously I'm, I might not strike this guy. Sometimes you might get him because it's a slump. But yeah, that's. That's how it works. So it's it's a the pitcher has it's a strategy for him too. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Once that batter swings the bat, and let's talk about that ball that's coming ninety uh, five miles an hour. The batter swings the bat. What will we call the force? Because it is a force. Because force being uh, that ball is being met with force. What force is needed to to hit the home run, it's it's, it's got to be. It's called the, it's it's the perfect force. A home run is what you call the most. That's the most perfect swing because you met you met ninety with ninety in the perfect spot. Hit like that, right? Right. It just it, it, it. so it's almost like it ninety ninety hit, right? And that's that's it. It's gone. It takes off. Okay. But see, right? here's or the difference, though. If you Juan. catch it, if you catch it over ninety, sometimes you might hit it hundred. You might hit ninety at hundred and twenty, and you won't even see that ball no more. It's gone. And the other thing that you're talking about, Warren, is you're talking about a batter who's still in motion. So okay. when he hits that ball at that ninety or ninety plus mile an hour. He's still in motion, so it's not you can't see it, and it's and I would have to find somebody to be able to prove what I'm saying. But there's a a, a wind that's behind that ball. That's I think they call it centrifugal force or something. Where when it hits, that batter's still in motion, so it's not just hitting and stopping; it's hitting and then changing its direction and pushing it in a yeah. new direction. Right. So 
So when you have that, you you have that ability to whatever bill, whatever relationship, whatever. Um, and I know you 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 used you know. Can I can we use the word evil doers because they come in all colors? Yeah. Well, that's true. They do, they do. They so, so I mean, and I'm not trying to, you know, fix it up, but I, I want us to be, but, but be in the, because we have people who throw stuff at us mm-hmm. and we, I guess we can all say we know where they learned it from, but you know, was it, was it, uh, was it, was it Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron were not allowed to play in, uh, the white America baseball league until. So then of course we created our own league and then they started. And then of course you got what Satchel page and you got all of those baseball players who were dominant in the Negro league. Right. But goes back to what Warren was talking about. When you figure out when you got these set of rules, the rule that they played, quote unquote, in in, in the white um, baseball game was no different than the ones they played. And they they play by the same rules: three strikes, run around the base, you catch the ball in the air, it's out. So the rules <laughs> didn't change. It's the dynamics of the players changed. Right. Well, 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 that's true because it, it's the, the player. And I'm, Ren, I guess that's even at life because you have some people that's willing to face the problems that's thrown at them and they face it at a better, in a better way than. Okay. So, you know, on the baseball team, let, let, let's, let's take that a little wider. On the baseball team, you got some players making more money than others mm-hmm. because that, because they know they play the game better. You see what I'm saying? They know how to play the game better. Uh, and so uh, I think the good There's player- two elements to that, though, Warren. There's two elements to that, that I see. There's two elements to that. Nick alluded to one of them. One of them when you are just naturally good. And then the other one is when you practice. And if we were to keep it across the spectrum of, if we were to bring in the spectrum of baseball, I mean, basketball, we would then look at the way Michael Jordan practiced, the way Kobe practiced, the way other people practice. And they have talked about the way these guys practice. So if we practice at getting our finances in order, practice at being good in our relationships, practice at inner peace, practice at those things in life, and then we would have and then bring all these people to the to the table as we have talked about before we would be able to do the things we need to do but we don't practice enough Warren we just expect it to happen and okay. here's the thing since we're using these sports analogies too I, I'm I, you know which is a good analogy which which should help people understand basically what I'm trying to explain now let's look at this we're talking about a a a, a sport and we're talking about force meeting force right on any sport team, what what's the one what's the one thing it, the opposite team always try to do? You if football, basketball, baseball, I don't care what stop the other from scoring. Well, well, if that, but I would say this: they will try to exploit a weakness. There it is. So even no matter what game we play, we have to, we have to identify our weakness and cover it. That's okay. what you do on a sports team. Who's okay. the weakest batter? 
who's who's the weakest blocker on the offensive line? Who's the weakest defensive back? Who's the weakest defensive rusher? You wow. find out. You find out. Remember now, you got more. It's nine on the baseball field, but on that, out of those nine, it's still one weaker than the other eight, right? Wow. Even yeah. though it's even though it's eight more people sitting on the bench, he better than them eight, right? <laughs> right, right. You're right. He's better than those eight, but he's still the weakest on the field. So it's my job to find out which one of them is the weakest, and you exploit that. Same on the football field. It's eleven on the field. It's forty something more players on the sideline, but the weakest one on that eleven is still better than the other forty three. Right. Right. So they always seem to find out our weakest. So what you do is, and even okay, you find out the weakest, and you find out the strongest. The weakest you exploit. The strongest you say, okay, when you play Chicago, you're not stopping Mike. He gonna get up. So we are gonna stop the other. We gonna shut. We gonna we gonna make sure Pax don't hit that three pointer when he when he's need to hit it. Right. We're going to make sure uh, uh, Scotty don't get to the line a certain amount of time. That's how you plan your game. Right. You okay. Let the strongest get off, but you exploit the weakest. But go ahead. Okay. So that's why you see people get out in front. I'm sorry. That's why you see people get out in front. Some of our leaders, hey, let them get off. Hey, let right. them get off. Man, he ain't going to you know, I, I, Okay, so let, 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 me, let me say this then. You said something that made a lot of sense uh, when you say that uh, about, you know, learning – you know, the weaknesses and whatnot, learn to explore it. Because this way, life is to us as well. Um, okay, okay, let's say this. When we say life, we know that we're Christians, right? And we know that uh, we have an enemy, right? And so right. sometimes it just it's not just life. It's who's conducting things, who's, who you know, um, who's at the end of, of these things that's happening to us. Uh, but the worst thing we could do is to approach life uh, without any practice, um, without any um, um, exercising. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't exercise, we don't get ourselves in shape, we're not going to be able to face these issues that life throw, throws at us. So my question, makes this question then, how do we get in shape? How do we practice? How do we get prepared for the things that life will uh, eventually throw at us? We may not know. We, we don't know uh, how big it's going to be. We don't know how small it's going to be. But it still takes, and that should not determine the practice that we put in. The practice should be the same. Right. But uh, understanding uh what's being thrown at us is more important or just as important uh, as uh, getting prepared to face that issue. Well, it goes back to what when we talked about this a while back. You practice once you make the team, right? Mm -hmm. Once you make the team, you practice with that team. So let's move that to us as a group. We practice when we get back to our institutions, there's the, you find me somewhere in history, in history, in, I don't care if it's the cavemen, what the way they operated was an institution. My right. click is my click. We move this way together. If you break these rules, there's punishment for it. 
You see what I'm saying? Right. If you break these rules, it could cost all of us our lives, right? So mm-hmm. no matter where you go in history, in the, as far as we can, re, in recorded man, everybody has institutions and where they practice that they operate. We practice Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. That's practice. You go in, you practice your beliefs. Islam practice Islam. Every, you practice, see, we, what happened to us is we have been infiltrated again and made to think that our institutions wasn't important. So a lot of us have given up on our institutions where we go practice it. So now you have a bunch of individuals, quote unquote, practice on their own, but they ain't got nowhere to play. You can go ahead and do whatever you want on your own. And however you end up, you end up. That's why I always say about these people in Hollywood, these stars, they go out here and be stars on their own. Then when shit hit the fan, you ain't got nowhere to go. AKA, what Lizzo going through now? Lizzo done done fat shamed and did this and did that. Fat girls rock. Now you got lawsuits where you've been shaming other fat women. Now you out here by yourself, right? Just using that as an example. Right. So we have to get back to our institutions because what I always say. I don't always say. I'm starting to say now. The conscious community, quote unquote, what they call the conscious community. Remember that, Ronnie? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That has been to, I think, to me, this is my personal belief, and this is how I'm looking at it now, it has been to our detriment because the conscious community has been preaching individuality. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Then when you say conscious community, are you talking about the woke? What they call woke now? Woke, well, it's been woke, but yeah, they're using, they, they using it as woke now. But the conscious community is, it comes out of Noble Jew Ali, Nation of Islam, 5%, right? It comes out of that. Conscious community comes out of that movement. Right. Where people start speaking individually and, and, and focus on yourself and and which you these things are you you should focus on yourself. I'm I'm gonna break that down in a minute, but the conscious community start making people, you know, we ain't Christians, right? That's the right. white man religion. Nobody you all leave. Master Farah Muhammad. That's the white man religion. The white man used Christianity to enslave us, to do this, to do that, which they did use it. They weaponized it. Yes, they did, but it ain't their religion. We so know did that you now. say, was that, did they find a weakness? Yes, they found a weakness. Then you got, <laughs> then they, they start talking about the Masons, which is one of our institutions, right? The Divine Nine, which is one of our institutions. They start going down the line of all the institutions we had where we operated. No institution is perfect. But you never see other groups give up their institutions, no matter what you think of them. They operate inside the institution. That's how you keep the group together. So now you got a generation of people, young people, who's not involved with no institution. They're neither church. They're neither Mason. A lot of them not being divine nine now. And you go down the line. They're not involved in no institution. Right. Yeah. But this is where you practice it. But like I try to tell people, yeah, you st- Ronnie broke down four things earlier, the way he think. Health, uh, religion, uh, physical gathering, or something else you put in there, money, job. Mm-hmm. I break things down the, almost the same way, but I go self, me. This is me first. I have to take care of me. Then I have to take care of my inner family, my wife, my children, right? Mm-hmm. Then I have to take care of my community, which is the neighborhood I live in, right? Then I have to take care of my country. Right. I have to take care of those things, and those things have to take care of me. 
how I operate in all four of those situations can determine the outcome of my me and my whole family. See what I'm saying? Right. Those things right. are inter interwoven. Mm -hmm. So you need America is an institution within itself. Right? I'm an institution within myself. My house is an institution within itself. My community is another institution within itself. So those are four institutions, but at the same time, you have to operate. You can't operate. I'm breaking. You can't be by yourself, which is what these I see a lot of people doing now. Well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me ask you a question. So would you consider some of them other ones? Okay, which one would you consider the major or the, you know, oh, I'm going to say something, made me laugh because <laughs> I, I, I thought, let me say this right quick. This is just a, a, a little off note. I thought when George talked about the Mothership Connection, I, I didn't know what George was talking about. But but you continue to read that book, you see what George talking about when you talk about the mothership connection, right? Okay. But but anyway, uh, when you got this major institution, which one is the major institution, and the rest of them become sub uh, uh, institutions in your mind? Which one is the major, and which one becomes sub institutions? Our major, we're talking about Americans, right? Black Americans, American descendants of slaves. Our major, our major will be our religion, our spirituality, which we go to the church. Okay. And so everything is like you say yourself, your home, your family, all those become sub, right? Subs, yeah. Okay, okay. Right? Right. Uh, see, in institutions, like no matter where you move in this world, see, people don't understand institutions are also, whether you want to believe this or not, there's an interchangeable sacredness among groups, right? Mm-hmm. Where we don't do certain things to your institute. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, if, if we go to war and I conquer you in a war, then I have to tear down your institution. Right. But it's still a sacredness in between those institutions. So we were able to move in our church and operate within our church and create mm -hmm. harmony in our church. Oh yeah, they infiltrated, they didn't tear our church down, they just infiltrated, found the weakness, and made us tear it down ourselves. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. Our Masonic Lodge, they didn't come in and burn out, tear our Masonic Lodge down. They just found the weakest link infiltrated and made us tear it down ourselves. See, they come in, they, there's a sacredness in it. I ain't going to tear it down. I'm going to get you to tear it down yourself. Because they started, they start connecting, they start speaking Mason as if, and I'm going to say it like this, we, are, black Mason and white Masons are the same. They're not the same. Never were the same. If you go watch the movie Rosewood, they tell you that in the movie, pay attention. Because that whole thing around Rosewood ended up because one black mason tried to help a white mason, the other older mason told the young mason, hey, we don't do that. We're not the same. You see what I'm saying? Right. So the things the white masons have done, the people from the, what they call quote unquote, conscious community start trying to say the black mason do the same thing. We're not the same, never been the same. So you're putting out false information based off a book a white man wrote. I just said, I ain't gonna say his name because I don't want nobody else reading this book. Man, you we we need we need we we need to take a break because okay. that's a lot to chew on right there. And so let's take a break real quick, but we'll come back and and let's pose another question, spin off of that question.
And welcome back to the Front Porch Podcast. We are here talking about self and talking about physics. And we 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 threw out these sports analogies and now we 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 down this path of being I don't even know where we at when when you when you talk about it. Because it's so deep, man. So so let me ask this question. We we and this is gonna spin off of what you talked about, Nick, is they didn't tear our institutions down, they infiltrated and uh, caused us to then tear it down. Yeah. So when you say that there was such violence, if you will, against things that we built um, as African-American descendants of slaves um, that we built, that there was such violence against it. Um, okay. And so now is this new is this new this is the is this a new method that went and when did this new method start in other words i see you build this community i see you build this institution of learning i'm not going to burn it down to the ground but i'm going to infiltrate it and then cause you to tear it down whether it be to physically shut it down or you destroyed the actual uh, basis of the knowledge that was that was being taught in it. In other words, I'm going to infiltrate your HBCUs. I'm going to infiltrate your edu- your um, your economic system. When did the shift happen? And is there? Can we anticipate the next okay. shift? Okay. Can, can I say something here? Yeah. Great. When you talk about tearing down things, right? Uh, you can tear down any structure you want, right? Now, we're not talking about mental structures, uh, uh, philosophical structures and whatnot. Well, we're talking about, you know, just just structures. Uh, you think the fire in Maui has changed what's inside of those people? It may mm-hmm. have made them look at things a little different, but is their dignity as a people that's, that's going to bring them back, right? When Satan attacked Job, did he not, he wasn't at the Job's house or his family was his cattle and thing. he was not after that he went after that so he can get to what he really wanted and what he really wanted was joe's dignity mm-hmm. he wanted joe knowing who he is yes, him is. to go against who he is and who he know god to be so when these things happen they're happening so that it can mess with our psyche right um it can cause us to disbelieve our value to God. It's, this is what it's been. This is what, it, uh, this is the whatever has happened to uh, come at the religion when it comes to blacks is to make us doubt our value to God. I said, I didn't say this. If we don't learn who we are, if we do not uh, begin to value who we are, First about knowing that we are valuable to God, then knowing that we are valuable to one another. If we do not get that, man, we would never get this thing off the ground and where it ought to be. Uh, because God has created us to be valuable to him and to learn who we are to him, therefore learning who we are, who we should be to one another. Uh, I think uh, if we allow people to tear down our mental systems, if you will, our psyche, 
First of all, who we are. Because first of all, the Bible tells you. That I, I, I was just thinking. I said Jesus ironclad the uh, what people became known as Christianity. He said that the two greatest laws are you should love well, in, in our Judaism. You should love the Lord our God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, all your might, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Think about that. Learn, love your neighbor as yourself. So that says that if I do not love, uh, love myself, how would I love my neighbor? That also comes into the home. The Bible says that the husband ought to love the wife. No man has ever hated his own flesh, right? But he nurtures it, he pampers it, right? And he should love his wife like himself. So that's two times to say we should love some someone like ourselves. We should love our wives. Men not love their wives as themselves, but you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that means if, if, if I don't have love in place when it comes to me, right? And Nick, that goes deep, man. It goes back mm -hmm. into the way you were raised. Mm -hmm. It goes back. So this is why mom and dad is so important. Because they're supposed to let you know that you are loved unconditionally. That's where it's supposed to start. But if it don't start in the home, if you don't learn that you are loved, regardless of your mistakes, you are still loved. If you don't learn that, man, we will never get this thing off the ground. We'll continue to be uh, at war with none or one another because we don't love ourselves. Hmm. That's that. I don't even know how to follow that one. That's that's facts there. So how then do we? It's a slow. It's a, it's it's always listen. Our ancestors laid the blueprint, right? Sometimes we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have the blueprint. Everybody else is using our blueprint to uplift right. their groups now. Everybody. Right. I ain't even got to name them. You just look out. Everybody's using our blueprint to uplift their group. Right. And and you notice when we start talking about using our own blueprint to uplift ourselves, we get backlash. We're racist. We're separatist. We're hateful. You know what I'm saying? They start throwing all these different things at our group of people. Yeah. The centers of slavery. That's what right. I'm talking about, our people. I ain't talking about black people. I'm right. talking about people in America who and ancestors were enslaved in this country. Right. I'm being specific. But, really, but, but, with nobody. but let me tell you something. Jesus told the church at Ephesus, right? He said, remember from whence thou hast fallen, Yes. And repent, right? Right. Now, let, now, let's talk about that. Remember from whence thou hast fallen. So we're going to have to think back. Where did we get off? And repent. Repent is have a change of mind. Agree with the fact that you got off. Re agree that you mm -hmm. got off. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't say, if it wasn't for mama, this wouldn't happen. No, no, no. If it wasn't for neighbor, it wouldn't No, no, no. Re you're going to have to own up to the fact that you got off. Thanks. Right? Okay. That's the only way we're going to fix it. We got to be honest with ourselves. And what we start at, and you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to, I don't give out solutions because I don't want nobody to know what our. Because certain things I'd be saying, we should talk about behind closed doors. But <laughs> I will say, re re repent, and where you find out where you fell off first, and then it takes a number of people who who have repented to come together. <laughs> And then go forth from there. Right. Right. That's it. It so, don't take it. Like I say, going back to the analogy, a baseball team, only nine can play, bro. It's 18, 21 people on the team, but only nine can play. Everybody else back. But but but, 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 but the issue is 
they're gonna have to play as one. Well, yeah, but they play, it's, they it's, play in the rules. It's a team. Yeah. But the more they are, uh, uh, you know, play as one, they have a oneness. Yeah. Uh, the better that team is going to be. Well, you you know, you got a problem when you got a bunch of individuals, everybody doing their own thing. Which is where we at now be, as a as right, community. Right. And, okay. and they're supposed to be a team. So we know a team has a coach mm-hmm. and assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's our coach? We don't have one right now. That's the problem. Don't have, don't have one. That that that. So we playing Sandlock, boy. Straight up drawing plans in the dirt. In the dirt, we out here right in the dirt. Exactly. You that's, go that's, left. I'm, you go left. I'm gonna go right. Go down and buy that car. <laughs> Not by the car. Well, well, you know what? But the thing is, between two pine cones. <laughs> That's the field. That's the field goal now. You keep yeah. you hey, fine, hey, or whoever ain't playing at the time, put your shoes down there. You're exactly. Nick, but you're right. You know, you had me laughing, man, because we be playing ball and we say, now look at him. Now, when you go to that, when you get down to that car, I want you to cut left. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go past the car, Negro. Hey, and not, not realizing that the car is the obstacle in the way. Hey, we'll find out. We'll work around that. <laughs> you fool enough to oh. run it. Hey, that's when you go. That's when the individual thing you have to think about yourself. If you yeah. fool enough to run into that car, yeah. I ain't got no. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I said go down into it and click. But but you're right, man. The thing is, we we're gonna have to meet this thing as one. As I think that's where we've gotten off because our oneness has waned. Because listen to what Jesus said. Uh, because iniquity should abound. The love of ministry, where it's called. Now, I know people say, well, that's the last day. But listen, this is the way I see it. When there's a storm brewing on the horizon and you can hear the thunder in the distance, right? It haven't gotten to you, it, it haven't, it haven't gotten to you yet, but you can hear it, right? But you see the winds blowing. I don't think the storm has really got here yet, but I think the winds are blowing. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Letting mm-hmm. us know that there's a storm on the horizon. You hear the thunder. And, Right, and, and so so we, we have these things happening. The love of men have wax cold. You don't see that's where that individualism come in at. I was reading a book by uh, Dr. Francis Schaeffer, right? One of the greatest theologians ever lived. Dr. Francis Schaeffer, uh, the book is, is How Should We Now Live? And he talked about the Egyptian mindset. I, I never get it. He said the Egyptian mindset is that of synchronous. He said, when you look at their art, you listen to their music, it was about being single. Uh, different than the Greeks, the Greeks uh, did things together, right? You remember when uh, Goliath, because that they were Philistine, but they were Grecians that had settled in the area. When he went out to, to, to challenge Israel, he would go out and he would say, send your best man. And, you know, if you defeat us, then you know you we so after Goliath got defeated, you did not see that a battle ensued. It did not ensue, right? Right. Because Goliath went out and he represented the team. They did things together. Uh, Egyptians don't do things together. Uh, I like Francis. He showed some of their art in his book and something. He said you can tell by their art the, the mentality of that culture at the time. They done things individually. So when I, I say this, I say that when we're doing things on an individual uh, uh, basis, uh, you know, everything we do now, individuals, that's an Egyptian mindset. It's Egyptian mindset. 
And and so when you talk about Egyptian, you know, to us, Egypt represents bondage. It don't represent freedom, right? Right. So is it people that still in bondage that begin to do things uh, as a single and not as a team? I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Would you, would you say that that's something that you need to really consider that when you have a bondage mindset, you're in bondage in your mind, that you're going to do things as an individual? Yeah, because you, you're still in a state of survival. Mm -hmm. uh, Self-preservation, first, first law of nature. So that'll make you individualized. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you long, and, and where we at now, as long as, as long as, we're in the condition we're in in this country, which is the bottom. I don't care how you want to look at it. Yeah, I agree. Bottom, we're at the bottom. You're in a state of survival, right? So long as you, long as they can keep you in a state of survival, they can always count on you trying mm. to survive. Man, I, mm. look, mm. I'm gonna give you some bread. Don't you share your bread? All your meat with the other person. You can eat. You'll be fine. But that's we're in a state of survival. Mm. And to jump back to answer Ronnie's question about the, how. We don't have a coach. Well, once we decide, once you put together a team and decide to play the game, a coach will emerge. Right. Everybody can't play. There's going to be someone who knows the game, loves the game, understands the game, knows how to move the pieces. They're going to say, well, I can't play, but I can coach. It's going to happen. Right. Jackson. Phil Jackson. He played, but he yeah. wasn't as great of a player nah. as he was as a coach. He figured out. Yeah, that was his strength. So the coach will emerge. Coaches emerge. Right. You got to have something to coach. I can't emerge if I ain't got nothing to coach. Right. But look, but why have it been so long for us to identify a coach? Because they've been throwing them balls at us coming downhill at 90 miles an hour. And they found out, you know, they always known the weak. The weakness has always been the bottom. That's why you see, let's just use music because I know y'all love music. Look at the music now is so defiled. Yeah. Because I'm going to give a kid, you can't even blame some. Like, think about it. They're taking our kids that's in the bottom, bottom. Ain't got nothing. Don't even some you, because listen, we blessed. We come from this. We seen this. Kids that don't they don't see nothing but what they see. And so I'm gonna give you five hundred thousand dollars. But you got to sing about killing niggas, bitches, and hoes, and everything else. You give a kid that ain't got nothing five hundred thousand. What he supposed to do? Is he not? And then by the time the kid figure out that he's being used, it's too late. You done done the damage they wanted you to do. Then they push you to the side and go get the next one. They figured that out. So how do we come back there? We have to put together a team. There's no way around it. Sooner or later, we have to put together a team so a coach can emerge and we start playing the game to combat these things. Okay, um, let, let, okay let, 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 let me make it this right quick now. Remember I said, I quote the scripture, remember from when it's not his father. Where, what caused that to become an issue? Them bullets Dr. Martin Luther King caught on that balcony and everybody else behind him and, and and I shoot no shade at them because I was only a couple years old the fear and the, the 
the violence they use against those people, I guess it will make every any it will make some scary. It didn't make let me no, let me no, I'm gonna take that back. Because there were still some people trying to fight the good fight and they put their lives on the line and they was pushed to the side. They found some some people who they could give that bread to and they would represent what they wanted to represent. That's what that's what we felt that when they realized during the Nixon administration, right? Nixon passed a law uh, because they was getting backlash about the Vietnam War. Like, how you been fighting Vietnam? We treat your own people bad. Nixon came up with the theory was, let's put out some Negroes that look like they're doing good. We're going to make some Negroes good. We're going to put them out there, out front. They're not doing nothing for the community, but we're going to put them out front. That was the fall, and everybody else behind it allowed those, those Negroes to stand out front to make look like we was doing good, and we was. Was that the creation of the bourgeoisie? The bourgeoisie before that, that goes back to W.B. Du Bois. That started before that. That goes back to the Divine Nine started. Those are the bourgeoisie. But they used the bourgeoisie at that point, start putting them out there, showing people that we had this bourgeoisie class. Okay, now, yeah, you got to think about it. Before the 1970s, everybody stayed in the same community. We stayed with the doctors, the lawyers, the teachers. Everybody stayed, the, the, the poor, the middle class, the upper class stayed in the same communities back in the day. Remember that? Before 1970. And I'm going to throw a joke at Warren. He remember because he was old enough to remember these. <laughs> but <laughs> no shade, Warren. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Before 1970s, before Nixon did it, remember, everybody stayed in the same community. True. So I knew the teacher. I knew the doctor. I knew the city councilman. I knew the chief. I knew everybody inside. Remember, Ronnie, we knew everybody in Southside. Right. And then they separated them, put them over here. They found a way. There inf- was infiltration. Yeah. So well, would, now, you, would you say they did, or would you say that we did it to ourselves because we did it to ourselves? Right, because the teacher and you, you, you have to ask yourself if you're sitting in the community, right, and your kids are fighting about every other day. <laughs> Uh, you have to, you know, you, you, your car been broke into or whatever, and you can't afford to move. Would you move? Well, remember, this stuff wasn't happening then. Exactly, that's what I've been saying. It wasn't happening. Our communities were safe and protected. Come on, man, as a child, I run through Southside. Would nobody bother me? The police didn't. I mean, okay, wait, 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 let, let, we let were safe you, in our community. Let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Wait, were you? What years are you talking about? I'm talking about up until our communities were safe up until for us in, in the Carolinas, it was the mid 80s. Now for the West Coast and up north, it was the early 80s, crack cocaine. Yeah. But Nick, I, I, I lived in Dalton Village, man, in the 70s. And it, I, it was, I, it, I, I was being Dalton, yeah. Was, I lived there. It, it was terrible. I, I mean, ain't lived there, but I can't you, do that. We, you, put, you hang something on the line, you go out there, you won't see it. Somebody, somebody got in there and they're aware of your face. Okay, okay. You know? But here's here's what I think Nick is trying to get is the the progression of that change. Yeah, happened differently in certain places. So, like yeah. he said, up north, out west, because when you took us doctors, lawyers, teachers, whatever we were to accomplish in our uh, career, and, and made us accomplish in that, when you took that out of the community we had nobody to look at to say that in other words i couldn't go down the street and talk to the doctor and say what do i need to do as far as going to uh, going to college 
because they were across town in another neighborhood. And everybody I saw at that point were really like me. They had they had nothing come from single parent homes or or whatever. I, the people I grew up with, all of us grew up with uh, under a single parent. You know what I'm saying? All of us grew up under mom. And we we knew dad, we saw dad, we but dad was not physically in the home with any of us. And so, you know, I hung on, and I think Nick says this too a lot of times, I hung on to my uncles um, and learning a lot of things that I learned. You know, of course, I learned some of the streets from my uncles. But when you learn some of those things, you're at that point where you're surviving. You're not Mm -hmm. at the point where I'm I'm positioned to thrive. But when your whole community is at survival mode, that's that's different than (laughs) when I can go down the street or even within my own family. I mean, my uncles that left, I had an uncle that left, like you said, he graduated high school, went to the military and and went north. And he come back to the mid 80s to, you know, and by that time, he, quote unquote, had accomplished himself to be able to move. But he didn't move back to the community. He moved back to another community, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, um, Go ahead. So it's, it's two segments to that one because I, I see what you're saying, but I use I use the Nixon thing to show I was answering a question to show where it was completely infiltrated and they moved they they moved in a certain direction. Now to talk about what you're talking about in the community, what you saw in Dalton Village is when they created the projects in the early '60s, right? When they when they created the projects where people stand in in, in a confined area like rats. Yeah, that created that part. Yeah. So, yeah, when they created, they did, it was two-faced. They created the projects, right? Because at this time, the projects was the part where they started creating the, uh, uh, giving the, remember black women didn't get, start getting uh, child support and social service until the 60s. People don't realize that Welfare started in the 1930s during the Great Depression for white women because so many white men was leaving their families and were taking care of white women. Fast forward, 30-something years later, they found out a way to use that against black women. You can't have a man in a home. That's why they put, started putting black women in the project. If you had a man in a home, you couldn't get this. If you had a man in a home, you couldn't get that. If you had a man in a home, you get that. So that created that environment you was in. You see what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like I say, my mom lived in double O's. Your, you and your family lived in Dome Village. You know, there was a bunch of single moms in there. Well, that that, that was one of the requirements. Uh, yeah, so it was men, it was men in and out, but that was all single women because you could only be single. So that I, think, I think I could think of one family out of probably, my God. <laughs> exactly. Hundreds. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one one family had a daddy in the household, and I lied to you not. Uh, that's back in the 70s, and Snoopy, the police helicopter used to be flying over. They would be searching for this man. I'm not going to call his name. Yeah. Because you all <laughs> may, 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 uh, uh, may know this man's grandson, so I'm not going to call his name. Uh, but Snoopy would be flying over, and what we remember is seeing this man, because this man could run now. He'd come out the house, and he would be running from the police. This this is what we saw. This was the only, only man with his family in Dalmuth, <laughs> exactly running from the police. <laughs> yeah, so that's, see, see how it was set up. 
right? It, it, just so it was set up before but in the 60s with the projects, even in Chicago, New York, when they started letting black people, remember the project, the Jewish community owned uh, the projects, they weren't proud projects then, they were just uh, a system, I, don't even call them, I forgot what they called them, but they was apartment buildings for white people until that dispersed to the suburbs. Yeah. And then they crowded all the black people in the inner cities. So yeah, that was a different stage than what we was talking about when they started exploiting the individuality of us. Right. Right. With the bourgeoisie class. So yeah, that was two different phases. Well, and then I, I remember uh being in junior high school, the seventies, and I remember we had knowledge of at that time Clinton Park. Clinton Park, yeah. usually yeah. they had a daddy in the household. This is what this is what I saw, right? And yeah. this is what helped shape my thinking. A lot of times they had a daddy in the house that was working and whatnot with the kids, whatever. We didn't have that in Dalton Village, right? Uh, we go out to um, Hyde Park out there, Basingport Road. You got to see them nice houses. You saw a dad in the household. You know, you, you saw two parents in the household. That one before was nice, wasn't it? We, yeah, we didn't, we didn't <laughs> have that. We didn't have that. And the thing is, man, I'm wondering how much of that was intentional because it put a lot of oh. people, it put people out there and they had usually nine times out of 10 or 99.9 times out of 10, they were single parent households and, uh, you know, one parent working. Uh, you're right, survival because the kids had to try to make it the best they could. If you didn't have a dad in the household, you had to learn from somebody. Like Renner said, you learn from my uncle. I learned from my uncle. Right. Yeah. But by him not being there all the time, you know, I waking up with him and whatnot. I there's a lot of things that I did know. I I learned from the men in the church once I got in church. My point is, is that we have to remember where did we fall off? Where what happened? And this goes back pretty deep, man. It goes back far. Because we have some memories of times where we all we knew was single parent households. Yeah. We don't we don't know how a a household look with a father in and I always tell my kid, I'm gonna say this, I'm, I'm gonna close on this. Um I tell my kid, I said, listen, my daddy wasn't in the household with me. A lot of things that I did with y'all, it was on the job training. I had to learn it as I as it went. So I made mistakes, right? But you gotta remember I had nobody to show me how to do it. Right? But you were willing to stick in there and do right, what right. you needed to do. Right. And, and so you're going to make mistakes because you didn't have a team. A family is a team, right? Right. And the head coach is missing. So, <laughs> you, so you got the assistant coach with your mom, right? Yep. That's who you're learning from. The so, head coach is gone. So what you said, Warren, if we stick with this thing long enough as the bad news bears, we got a chance of winning the championship. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we gonna to win the championship. <laughs> but I mean, Warren, so when you were be, talking, so let it be said, so let it be written. Well, Warren, when you were talking, you know, I, I talked about my my uncle, um, and, and I had one specific uncle that was very, very instrumental in my life, and I'm actually um, contemplating something um, that he and I talked about years ago. Um, now for for my life, but but the constant. He was with my aunt. Let me put it this way. He was with my aunt up until his death. And so he was there. I would go and visit with him and my cousins. And he was the consistent person that I saw do the necessary things. In other words, he didn't do everything right. He wasn't a perfect man. 
but he was consistently there with his family, raising the children and being there, the husband, the consistent, the other person that it was consistent for me was my grandfather. And he was the person who would take me out in the backyard and he was the shade tree mechanic, but he wasn't shade tree and on nobody else's stuff. He would tear up his own stuff. And, but, but I realized years later what he was doing was because of his third grade education, he had what we would call common sense enough to realize that the car was put together a certain way and that the car was going to break down at a certain period of time. And what he would do is he, he bought him um, two cars, one he would leave alone and one he could drive, but he would pull it apart and then teach himself how to fix the car. So if the other car went down the good running car that he had and the good car that my grandmother had. Now, granted, you're talking about in the 70s and 80s where, you know, the finances wasn't great, but my grandfather went to work and he bought three cars so that he could learn how to fix one. So what happened when my grandmother goes to work, if her car breaks down, I don't always have to take it to the mechanic. Right. I can fix it myself. So he would tear up a car and learn how to fix it. And then he would go and talk to the white mechanics, learn how, you know, how I was doing this, so and so and so and so. And then they would tell him how to fix it, not knowing that they're teaching him. And he was learning certain things and he would teach me how to do about outside in the garden, how to fix cars, just, and he would collect stuff. I'd be like, what in the world is this stuff? But when it came to gardening, he would have, um, he would take a two liter soda uh, he would cut the bottom off of it and he used that in his garden or he would take a, a, a stick and use it to build a fence or something. And I'm like, why you just have this random stuff just sitting around? But he was resourceful enough to to um, do certain things within the community, within his household that needed to be done. But he always allowed me to come around. And so by me being in that certain situation, um, and seeing him operate that way, it made me realize I don't always have to go to the institution all the time. Sometimes I just need to look at the common sense of it and say, if this is a screw, this is a nut, and there's something that goes in between it, then I know that I can screw this particular nut and it'll hold it. That's common sense. But uh, but a lot of times we don't have children who operate that way these days. They They don't they don't know what a screw in a nut is. They don't. They don't know nothing about fixing no car. They they Ubering everywhere. They don't know how to change oil. We talked about that a while back. They don't know how to change tires. They don't know nothing. I'm a, I'm just, a, I'm just to interject right quick. That's funny you said that because I'm because you say young. I was at the gym the other day, and I saw an ant trail coming out the crack of the wall. The ants was going down the bait because you had to where the carpet meets the wood. Mm-hmm. You know, ants, they stayed on it. If you didn't pay, on the path. you know me, I'm always, I always pay attention. If you didn't look, you wouldn't see them. So I called a young guy that's working in the gym. I said, hey, man, hey, y'all got look, these ants, man. You, that dude looked at me and said, oh, uh, okay. My boss will be in in two hours. I said, what? <laughs> I said, he ain't know what to do. You, I said, y'all. Oh yeah, my boss being too out. He, he was just baffled. I said, "Okay, young man." I said, "I, I understand. Go ahead. I, that's cool." And I let, like, but I'm just go ahead, run, run. I just want to pick it back off. 
Like, yeah, we're in that phase now. We're in that space now. Yeah. But, uh, um, well, I guess what, what, I, what I'm thinking and what I want to ask is you was talking about how your uncle taught you how to work on things and whatnot, and this is something uh, that is, is needed. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think, and I know we don't have an official number or anything, but I just just from uh, observation, do you think there are more fathers in the home today than it was when we were coming up? Well, I don't know about yeah, in the home, but I know Harvard put out a study about three years ago. You can look this up and said the most active fathers in the United States of America is the African-American father in their children's lives. There are no other group of men in this country who are more active in their children's lives, whether they're in the home or at the home. African-American fathers are the most active and the most uh, 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 involved with their children's lives than any other group of men in this country. Okay, let me ask you a question. What information did they use to come to that conclusion? Why did they say that? It was a study that they did uh, because I think it was a debate over the time about uh, uh, deadbeat dads, right? So I don't know how it got to that point, but was a, I know it was a discussion about the deadbeat dad. So then Harvard went and then did a study on it. Okay. But and then you, you think about it, you think about it, you see it. You see the dude out here smell just like weed pants to his ass, hanging off his ass, but he with his kids. They just, that's just what we do, though. Yeah. But when you when you look at that, Warren, you have to look at, of course, and, and, and I don't know if you're going this route, but you look at it from a cultural perspective, uh, from the white perspective, they were, quote unquote, building businesses, empires, working, doing those things. And 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 not that we weren't and, and not that we don't have those things, but we we are. We are family oriented, but we allowed ourselves to be displaced when it comes to the family. Um, in other words, when we think of with the word family and associate a, a, a culture uh, or an ethnic group with it, we would, if you were to say the Latino or the Mexican community, you'd be like, oh man, they all about family because they, they got 15 people in the house or they got 10 people in the house or but that's our, family. That's, that's our template. Ahead. That's, that's what. I, that's exactly what yeah. I was getting. Ready. That's. That's our that's not, So they they, they pulled us a, away from being the family aspect, because even though we may not have stayed in the same house, we stayed in the same community. It, you stayed beside grandmama, grandmama stayed beside auntie, auntie stayed beside uncle, uncle, and and we stayed in the same community. But when you start separating that. Mm -hmm. That 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 um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Um, that jail, which is probably not the real word, but the, when you separate that jail, Co that cohesiveness, that, that cohesiveness. Yes. Yeah, when yeah. you separate the cohesiveness of family. You know, and so the only element that we have is to whether we're in the home or out of the home. Is to be a part of our children's life so we can try to try to reverse that cycle or mend that cycle. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it is a blessing to me. Let me put it this way. And I think we've said it off and on throughout our years. It is a blessing for me to see brothers like you, Warren, Nick, Greg, to, to, to have been with our spouses, our wives, 
as 20 plus years and raise our children and then do it together. Yeah. Right. And do, and we've talked about this multiple times to, to, I get better because in other words, I study harder when it comes to scripture because I know Warren studies. I study the, I listen to history and I read history and I do because I know that's Warren. I mean, I know that's Nick. I study and listen to certain things when it comes to family and common sense, if you will, because I know that's great. And so it's like, I get something when I'm with you guys. I get something when I hear you doing something with your family, whether it's building a business or or going on vacation or or doing something with the extended family. I get excited about that. So that internally gets me back to what we were talking about earlier today uh, in, in our podcast is the the I want to do what self-work. I want to better myself so that I can uh, not only offer more to my family, but then like Nick said, I can offer more to my household, my community, my uh, the, the, the the state and the people that I do life with. Yeah, because I'm better the physics of what I have to do. And that what we call it, the uh, uh, um, opposite reaction. I mean, it's the resistance. The only way I get stronger is I lift something that's stronger than me. So right. if that's an edge, if that means me listening to something that I don't quite understand, but I listen to it enough and I start to get it. If that means me going to school, if that means me doing whatever I need to do to make myself better for me, because right. God values me because God, and you said it earlier, Juan, let me say it this way. You said that we're valuable to God, we're valuable to others, but then I have to also realize I'm valuable to myself. Right. But here's the thing, Ryan, I'm glad you said that. Being un People have to understand that perfecting yourself is all about perfecting other aspects of your life. Like, so I should not just work on me just so it, I only benefit from it. I should become a better me, but so everything outside of me becomes better. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like Ronnie say, I, I'm working on me so my fam, my house is better. I'm working on me but so my community is better. I'm working on me so my state is better. I'm right. working on me so my country is better. I'm working on me so my church is better. I'm working on me so the school is better. You see what I'm saying? Right. You don't work on you just for you. Because what we don't do and what we have to start doing is thinking about this. I'm working on me so that it affects my great-grandkids 150 years from now. Okay. My, my work is going to benefit my family 150 years from now. I hear you. Let me ask you a question then. Working on yourself, right? Working uh in life because it's going to help strengthen you because things we go through, uh, we go through and it, uh, either, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to uh, uh, Fred Nietzsche, but he says something that made a lot of sense. He Who said, uh, Fred, uh, uh, Fred, Fred Nietzsche. Okay. Gotcha. He, he said, whatever don't kill you, it makes you stronger. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it is true. Uh, life period will make us stronger. Yeah. Right. It's going to make us stronger in whatever aspect we, uh, you know, it, it actually applies to. But 
we're going to have to stand our ground. We're going to have to uh, swing the bat, if you will. Uh, we're going to have to use force against force. But my point is, and the question is, will there be tears in the process? Yep. Right? You, say, you say tears, right? Yeah, will, will there, there be tears be... in the process? Shit. Well, what my granddad says is a bad shit in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, you know I, I heard you say yes, but, but let me say this too. I think one of the things is important is that we let our kids see us cry. I'm going to tell you why I say that. They have to see you go through, but they have to see you become victorious too. Yeah. That's something that, like I said, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see my dad is struggling, but yet becoming victorious. I didn't see that. I had to learn that. And it's tougher when you never seen it done. Now I seen my mama do it. But I'm talking about a male role model. I just didn't see it. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead, Nick. I, 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 oh, go ahead, Ron. I, 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 was, I, was, I, was, I was stuck in, I was stuck in thought. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I agree with that to a certain extent because I look back over, you know, like Ronnie said, we I built my wife. I remember my wife made a statement, you know. We were struggling. She didn't know we were struggling because I didn't let her see it. We were struggling. My kids didn't know we were struggling. I never let them see it. Now I'm looking back. I'm thinking, should I have figured out a way for them to see see me struggling? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they don't, they didn't, I, I, I've always shielded them from, I always shielded my family from anything we was going through. Right. So I look back now, and that's a good question. I wonder, and, and, and uh, you know, my kids, there's nothing going on in my family now that I look back and regret. But I wonder how it would have made would it made them stronger. Because sometimes but, you got to be careful about that because it might break some. Because I right, say it, 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 it may break them. But let me say this. Let me say this. TDJ preached a message years ago, and I don't know the whole message, but this is what I remember him saying: When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, those wounds in his hands and in his feet in his side could have been healed. Couldn't they not? It could have been mm -hmm. easily. Yeah. You, it, it would, you would have never saw him. But there was a reason why God left him there, right? So they know it was him, right? If right. we don't show our scars, you know what I'm saying? I think that's, that, that's what I'm saying. We don't show our scars. We have to show that, yeah, you can, uh, uh, you, you can be victorious even though you go through this. Yeah. Uh, Show the scar. They have to see the scar so they'll know I could be victorious. Yeah, yeah. And you know, e even though I got scars. Yeah. And the reason I say that is, I at one there's one time I was explaining some things to my kids. They looked at me and literally said, "I don't, I don't understand." <laughs> Which because, is the kid that didn't understand how to get rid of the ants. <laughs> exactly, because I, <laughs> I, I did not allow them to see <laughs> facts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Warren. When you talk about this, one of the things that we 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 struggle with <laughs> is the personality of uh, of of the individual, whether it be our children or the individuals that we're dealing with, um, and then finding some level of common ground to build from. I think you know, Nick and I come from the same city, and 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 we we've had 
his mom is in Charlotte and, and whatnot. And so he's he's had interactions with Charlotte um, as growing up. I had no interactions with Rock Hill. I would go to Charlotte, hang out, come back home, you know, but had no interactions with Rock Hill. And what I'm getting at is all four of us found ourselves in a place that uh, well, Greg was already here, but four of us connected here in a place that that, you know, well, let me let, let, let me let, let me let, let me put a, a caveat there. I was kidnapped and I ended up falling in love with my captor. So that, that, that's how I ended up in Rock Hill. Same here. <laughs> Same here. But what I'm saying is, Warren, is Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> we, it, we, for us to progress to the next level, um, I think we've we've trusted the process of of growth or or we just endured some of us endured the process and some of us trusted the process and and so the end result is we're 20 plus years in marriage we we what three year going into three years of podcasting and we're raising our children even though all of them are adults now uh still raising them you know That's giving facts. them advice and so uh, yes. Even some of them want money, but you know. <laughs> but what I'm saying, Warren, is we keep trusting the process of self work and doing the things, and so we kind of anticipate that that would be on other people. And when it's not, does that become? This is our last question because I don't want us to push push up for four hours, but. Are we expecting that on somebody else? Are we expecting the same either endurance or through the process? You endure the process or you, you know. Well, I, I will say this. What I want my sons to be able, and my daughters, to be able to learn from me is, you know, learn the principles. But it may look different when you do it. But learn the principles because the principles don't change. Situations may change, but the principle is still there. So that's what I want them to do, to learn the principles of survival. Uh, you know, learn what principles did dad apply to this right here. You know what I'm saying? Notice the word you used there, Warren. Survival. When do we what? get to the place that we're teaching kids to thrive? Because survival means that I'm working enough to put food on the table. I'm working enough to keep roof over my head working enough to or, or I'm I'm surviving the stuff that's being thrown at me. When okay. do we get to the place where we thrive? Okay, now you when said all the lions gone. But when you said survival, let's talk about the uh the uh the semantic range of that word, right? That's the one of the definitions you gave is the definition for survival. But survival can also be thriving, right? It it also it because how do you thrive? You learn to survive, right? That's how you thrive. So you look at that word, it depends on the context. It's not always struggling, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it could be I'm thriving because I learned how to survive. I learned how to do it. So you never stop, you never stop surviving. You never stop that. Uh, you, you, it, it just becomes easier because now you learn how to use it. That's just like me learning how to use a tool, right? I may start out with the tool and I'm not very good at it. But the longer I use that tool, the better I get at it. 
So I still got the two. I'm just using it much better than I used to use it. But I wanted well, to point just out. Just, I just wanted to point out, Warren. I'm not discounting your word of survival. I'm just talking about the progression of it. Because sometimes we just get people as, man, I'm just surviving. Okay, that means you just barely making it. Where is it to the point, like you said, when I can take this particular tool, screwdriver? Right. Right. The mechanic don't make the screwdriver. <laughs> but they become right. proficient enough proficient, in using right. those tools to right. fix a car. Right. There you mm. go. There you can go. I, so, can I? Oh wait! Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, when y'all said that, I looked at it this way: When do you stop teaching them to survive? We start now because our kids don't have to survive. We teach them to thrive. We right. survive. Right. Right. What you looking at? These three people right here. I can tell you all our stories. We survive. But what I mean, when COVID oh. hit, when COVID hit, were you thriving or, or or trying to survive? What are you trying to do? Yeah, that was yeah, both of them. Because you was thriving when you <laughs> when you woke up the next day, you was thriving. Okay, but here's now 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 you say it now. Let me throw it in the cheek. Remember, I talked about the finances, your health, your and all of those things. Yeah. When when you have an outside force such as COVID coming in, mm-hmm. you got to ask yourself, what does my financial situation look like? Can yeah. I, you know, that Dave Ramsey say, do I have three to six months worth of utilities? Do I have a, a emergency fund? And you know. Is my health up to par? Do am, am right. I, if I contract mm. this, if do I if I contract COVID, will my health be able to withstand it, or do mm. I need to take wow. the virus? Right. If my if 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 COVID hits my uh, my household, do I have the necessary skill set to still be in relationship with my spouse or my right. children? To because you think about it, COVID hit a lot of people. It destroyed right. a lot of people's lives, not only financially, relationship. In their, in their in their finances, I mean, it destroyed a lot of stuff. Right. And so that's why I use those four four principles for me, you know, because I'm like my finances, my relationship, my inner peace, and my health. If I work on those four things, then it helps me, you know. Then I can be good to my household. Then I can be good to my community. Then I can be good to the state and the community, and my my nation. Uh, country, right? But if I don't work on my, if I'm not good at finances, then I'm not. But he, okay, but he, well, 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 let me ask you this: Is COVID still around? Yes, sir. What's different now? We survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, my in-laws just had it. But didn't we learn how to deal with it? Yeah. Right. Right. And that learning to deal with it, a lot of lives were lost, right? Yes, mm-hmm. it was. So is that learning how to deal with it? I mean, that's the that that's that that's the part, that's the place right there where, man, listen, there's gonna be some bloodshed, there's gonna be some lives lost. And some tears. Yeah, there's some tears. But right. that's the world we live in though, right? Right. This universe, God, it it moves like it it. As a human race, the more, and I, I, I might not agree with this, but it seems like the more losses we have, the stronger we get for those who survive. Be, because knowledge becomes stronger. Yep. Knowledge becomes, we're going to lose some. That, that's yeah, your bottom line. Right. Those, those survive learn how to put that knowledge into pra- practice. There you go. 
That's where you move. Okay, so let's let's say this. Our ancestors, some lost their lives. Yeah. We're still here. That makes us strong, don't it? Yeah. So why do we buy uh why do we buy the 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 uh thought that we are weak in any way, shape, form, or fashion? We don't buy. We don't buy. We I don't say we don't buy. They just put a couple of us that don't know no better out there to say something like that. Well, we match it up against, and this is this is just one of, not the complete, but this is just one of the. We match it up against something that's needed, but that shows falsehood. We match success up against the financial, um, oh, yeah, outcome. Which is not, have, that is not it. If, if I have enough money, then I am successful. Where mm-hmm. I may not have, I may be just barely making it, but I'm still with my wife. I may not be financially successful, but my children are raised and, and I spend time with my children. I may not be financially successful, but I have good, what we call good quality of health. So mm-hmm. I may not be financially millionaire, but I go to work and I work and I do a decent job and I get paid a decent wage. And so when we, the only metric is when you metric, uh, uh, when you match it up against finances, you you're saying I don't really care about the family. I'm willing to you know think of when when that's your goal is financial uh, uh, abundance, then you sacrifice the family, you sacrifice your health, you sacrifice your inner peace, and and so you sacrificing that stuff. But I mean well, that's I'm, just my philosophy. No, no, so, no. Go ahead, no, 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 no. I'm, well, Ronnie said, I'm, I always tell people, and I, I tell the young people, I'm going to sort it up like this, like when you said you sacrifice. Like, you have to you have to understand when someone tells you God told me or thank God, you better understand what God they're talking about. Right, that's true. Because it could be the God of money. Right. The God of sex. Right. You know what I'm saying? The God of mm. killing. Right. It's different gods. Little G, but it's different gods. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I always tell people, no Know what God you're talking about. Know what God you're representing. Know every all of us have a little God in us that we call it. We call it our demon. We call it a thing. You must say, but it's not. It's that little God inside that we sometimes serve. Some men like a lot of sex. Some men like to chase money. You see what I'm saying? That's the little God. Yeah. Yeah. But once you surrender to the big God, you get that kind of get that under, under control. Yeah. Real OG. Yeah. yeah. Let me. Let me. Um... Let me ask y'all a question. I, I know we're very close. Let me get this. Jesus said, what should it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Now, how do a man lose his soul? Let's talk about in this world. Let's talk about when it comes to the black community. How do that apply to us? How, how, what, 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 what should it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? You want us to ask? You want to answer that? Yeah, because I'm going to tell you, for the most part, let me say this. I mean, just for the most part, people thought that some people put that in the category where Jesus is saying, what, you know, what do a prophet man to gain all this, you know, everything in the world and to go to hell? I think it's deeper than that. I think it's more than going to hell. Anybody want to expound on that? I think the only way you can lose your soul. Is to give it to one of those little gods and remove it from God Himself. 
you you lose you lose your soul by giving into your certain certain desires. Okay, let me say that. Let, 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 let me say this then. Let's break the soul down into its different components: will, mind, and emotions. Okay. How can you lose any of those? Let's talk about in the earth realm. Let's talk about let's leave it, let's not even talk about the sweet by and by or in the sour by and by for those who, you know go to hell. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> I go say sweet by and by. <laughs> okay. So let me let me because I was hoping that you would bring out that will mind and so uh will mind and um emotion because um that's literally what we're talking about in my perspective is building up yourself you have to build your will up but the will has to match with god's will you have to build your mind up but your mind has to be in line with god's mind you have to build your emotion up so that you're you are emotionally what i would call emotionally balanced in other words right. what we're talking about is being able to cry in front of our children cry in front of our spouse you know there are multiple men who who have never been emotionally in front of their spouse unless it was, you know, a tragic loss of someone, but just to come home and say, I've had a tough day and I'm crying. But so, so get back to your question is when, when we lose our soul, um, it's because we're not doing the work. We're not doing, we're not applying ourselves to those three particular elements of the soul. And we're just leaving it to chance. And yeah. so then other people, interject or project um, what they consider to be our will, our minds, our emotions, and how we do that. And so then we lose ourselves to, we lose ourselves to somebody else's projection. Okay. Okay. Let me, I, oh, wait, I, I want to ask a question. How do it look for you to lose your will? The power of your will. A, can I ask a question first? Go ahead. <laughs> He want to have a whole seminar. We trying to close this talk. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. I'm saying to answer his question, though, like which one you lose first, your mind, your will, or your soul? I'm not saying nothing well, else. Your, 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 okay. will, your will, your mind, or your emotions. Let's say if you lose control of any of those, how do it look? Because I think... Like a car wreck, but go ahead. I think that that has happened to the black community because, like I said, I think we traded the riches... Mm-hmm. Being able, quote unquote, to pseudo spit in, we traded that for uh, our souls. I'm like Ronnie. I'm gonna I'm let you finish because I, I, I too many thoughts on ran through my head. That takes well, too long. Exactly. Exactly. Well, That's well, a whole nother podcast, Warren. It is another podcast, but let me, let me let me just sort of <laughs> let me just sum it up. We we we're talking about losing. Warren, let me put it this way. You gonna give the last closing words because I have nothing else to say okay. because there's fifteen thousand things running through my okay. head. I'm with Ronnie on that. Okay. Okay. So you closing us all the way out. Yep. Okay. Okay. So when you're losing the power of your will, that means that it's no longer what you want, but it's what that thing wants. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Money is dictating to you. Sex is dictating to you. Women dictating to you. So you don't lost the power of your will, right? 
Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the mind. You lose control of your mind. In other words, it's the way you think. It's the way you see the world. It's the way you see others. You lose control. Of, it's the way that you see your family. You don't see your family the way that you ought to see them. So you lost the power of your will, your mind. Let's talk about emotions, right? You're all over the place. You know, uh, at the at the uh, drop of a pen, you go from zero to ten. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're mad at, at the world, mad at everybody. You, sh- you shoot anybody because you're mad. You're hot. You know, you, you you don't cross me up. You see what I'm saying? I'm and that, that that can be on the outside. It can also be in your household. You bring that thing in, inside your home, then that's going to bring that uh, violence into the home that, that the kids are going to see. You know what I'm saying? Let's say uh, you don't touch your wife, but you call her the B word, right? You, you call her out of her name. Well, your kids hear that. You lost control. Mm. You traded your soul for something else, right? And you talking about those little gods in the book of Ezekiel, uh, the elders came to the Ezekiel to inquire of the Lord. And this is like the 12th chapter, 13th chapter. And the Lord asked Ezekiel, why should I even be inquired of these men? Seeing that they have set up idols in their hearts, the little gods. You set up idols in your heart. What are those idols that you set up in your heart? It's the thing that you love. Paul said, for the time should come, that men will be lovers of themselves more than. That right there has always gotten me. They be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. So they say they love God. We hear that. But there are things that they love better than God or more than God. They've lost control of their souls. They traded it for something in the world, something that looks like it's valuable. Give them, you know, something in this life. You know, I'm the president. I'm this. I'm that. You lost control of your soul, though. We you don't almost have made it, Nick. <laughs> my bad. Don't say nothing. <laughs> you lost control of your soul, and you traded it for something. Didn't Satan try to get Jesus to do that? All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Thanks. All this I will give you. So all of these things, and Jesus would have lost control of his soul had he said yes. So my question is, what have you said yes to that has caused you to lose control of your soul? Ronnie, I try to make it as concise as possible. But I was feeling that. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. I would not say nothing after that. You just started a whole nother podcast, but yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, right. You know what? We can expound on that next time because I'm gonna come back and listen to this. Right, be, because of the different elements involved in your soul, and you lose control of those things, man. You're gonna be all over the place. You can't be in a value to anybody. So I said I wasn't going to say anything, but so let me ask myself, let me ask you to ask myself uh, the question I'm asking myself. So in finding myself and doing the self work means I actually got to do soul work. That's true. Choo choo. That's true. And the train just left the station. Right. You know what? And Peter said this. He, he talked about the various things that people suffer in life. He said, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
right? Going through certain things or dealing with certain things, certain ways, Peter said that you received the end of your faith. What is the end of your faith? The salvation of your soul, right? So you're right. We need to talk about that. What it looks like when we've lost control of our soul. So that leads us back to our institution where one or two of us gather. Mm -hmm. That'll help you. Right. Strengthen. So work, man. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Ooh. Uh, uh, Y'all get off. Didn't, didn't, call. didn't Joe, Biden, Joe Biden get elected? What part of the reason was? He said that America, we fighting for the soul of America. Yeah. Didn't you say that's that? What he, that's what he put out there. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank y'all for being a part of the Front Porch <laughs> Podcast today. We are absolutely enjoyed <laughs> you being here listening to us. Hey, Greg, we miss you, man. What up, yes, Greg? Greg? Greg, man. Hey, man, you, you, I'm, I'm mad you didn't tell me about this it, a little early. But I, exactly, I did. Greg. We'll deal with you later, bro. Yep, yep. But, all right, fellas, I'm out. Peace. All right, brother, it's been nice. Talk with you later.